the Lord. All right. Well, we're going to continue on in our mini series. This is actually the last day. We're going to talk about what we're talking about, which is called the supernatural. It's right behind me. And uh, my wife found this super cool sweatshirt. It's called the Gift of Life Transplant House. She found it at Goodwill and uh, in Rochester, Minnesota. And this is the house that I stayed in when I had a transplant. And uh, she said, do you want this? I said, absolutely, I want that. So, um, so yeah, so if you're wondering why I'm wearing this, it's because I need to represent the transplant house. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so it's super good. So uh, today will be the last day. So for the last few weeks, we've been talking about the supernatural. We've been talking a little bit about what it means, um, how we go about it. First week, if you didn't, if you weren't here for this and you want to know more about this, the first week we talked about uh, the unseen realm, okay? How many of you believe here this morning that, that the unseen realm is actually more real than the, what, the realm that we can see? Okay, there's angels, there's demons, there, there's all kinds of things that are happening in, in the supernatural that we cannot see, and those kinds of things uh, are working behind the scenes for our life. So we get to partner which, which, which part of that we want to uh, be a part of. We, we can either be a part of the kingdom of God or we can be part of the kingdom of darkness. We get to choose that, okay? And so the unseen realm is happening. Pastor Steve did a wonderful job talking about what that meant. So if you don't know what that is, all of our sermons and everything, you can go right online to goriver.org, and you'll see a little tab there that says sermons. You can listen to all of them, okay? And subscribe to our podcast. But um, last week, we talked about demons and demonic activity. Um, I believe that demons are real, okay? I don't believe that Christians can be demon-possessed, but I do believe that Christians can be demonized. There's a difference, okay? When you are possessed, that means it, you, you are owned, okay, you're owned. When I bought my house, okay, I own my house. If I leave a window open in my house, then I'm asking for intruders to come into my house, okay? And that's what, it's, that's what it means to be demonized, is to, is to be harassed, if you will, by the enemy to come. Uh, uh, an evil spirit can come into your home, okay, the home of your heart and uh, begin to cause chaos, havoc. If you've noticed, like if, everything, if, if there's footprints of destruction or, or, or any kind of thing, if, you, if, if, if any kind of thing that's happening, you're like, I'm not talking about it one time you get sick or whatever, but if you habitually are getting sick all of the time, or if you're habitually uh, uh, are saying to yourself, I'm always won't have enough, okay, these kinds of things, then I would love for you to consider maybe Maybe there's some demonic stuff going on in your life that you just don't know about, okay, that we need the Holy Spirit to come and highlight, recognize, and kick out. Intruders don't, be don't belong in your home. There's only one person that owns your home, and that's Jesus, okay? But we can do that. We can allow intruders to come in when we have the open windows and the open doors. For instance, if you're engaging in any kind of sexual perversion, whether from pornography or or things, or, or things to that nature, okay? You, you will, you're basically opening the windows of your heart to say, intruders, welcome, okay? If you're, if you're, if you're engaging in any kind of thing, occult, um, whether that be Ouija boards, tarot cards, psychic readings, those kinds of things, you are inviting the intruders to come into your home, okay? But on a little bit more personal level, if you're finding yourself gossiping all the time and you just can't stop, I would love for you to consider that maybe, maybe, there is a, an intruder in your home, 
okay? It's not just a matter of you better stop that or else. It's maybe you need to figure out where the enemy snuck in and started causing this kind of stuff in your life, okay? All right, so that was last week. Today, I wanna talk to you about the witchcraft spirit, okay? The occult, the witchcraft spirit. Um, I've known multiple people, when I say multiple, that's maybe a little over-exaggeration, a few people that I've known that, that have been engaged in the occult, Okay, they've been engaged in the occult. Just by a show of hands real quick, how many of you guys know somebody who's been engaged in the occult in some way, shape, or form? Yeah, I, I have too, okay? And um, as a matter of fact, just a few weeks ago, they actually had a Satanism occult conference downtown La Crosse, all right? And uh, so this kind of stuff is extremely real, okay? It's, it's, real, it's really real, <laughs> okay? And it's, and it's just too bad that sometimes when we come to the church, we actually don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit as much as we believe in the power of the demonic forces. Okay? Let me just encourage you here before we get into this. Listen, when Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again on the third day, he, he went down and destroyed the enemy, took back the keys of the kingdom of death, hell, and the grave, and he says, now I give to you. Freely I've received, now freely I give to you. What did he give to you? Not just good smiles and happy thoughts. He gave back to you the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the works of the enemy. It's one of our missions here at the church. It's to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and destroy the works of the enemy. Okay? I believe that you as a believer and I as a believer have more power in our pinky than the, all of hell combined. Amen? So we're going to talk about the witchcraft spirit and how a lot of us maybe may not... We may not go to a seance or we may not go to these kinds of things, but I'm going to do my best to bring it personal to say that we might be engaging in the witchcraft spirit this morning and we don't even know that. Okay? So let me give you some context for the scripture that I'm going to read in 1 Samuel here in just a little bit. I love the story of Saul and Samuel. I'm actually growing more familiar with that as I read it more. And, and the more that I read it, the more I understand that Samuel was, or I'm sorry, that Saul was pretty messed up. Okay? He was a pretty messed up king. And as we look at the things of Israel right now, and I just want you to know I'm pro-Israel all day long, okay? We need to pray for Israel, you know, forget Hamas. Okay? I'm not saying that, you know, I believe, I believe the people in Hamas need to get saved, amen? It's, salvation is for everyone, okay? It's for everyone. But whenever an enemy of the Lord comes against, comes against God, an enemy comes against God, I'm going to go for God all day long. Okay, <laughs> all day long. And you might think differently about it. That's okay. You can have your opinion. You're wrong. But, but this, is, this is the truth, okay? All right? I see what's happening across our country and college campuses and all these kinds of things. Um, 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 we just need to pray for our country, okay? Whichever side of the aisle you fall on, I don't give a rip. It doesn't matter to me. But just know this, that it's all about Jesus, and it needs to be focused on him, Okay? So Saul was a pretty messed up guy. So in this context of strip, Scripture, before we get to 1 Samuel 15, let me tell you the story leading up to this, okay? So the Lord told Saul, I want you to go and take the Amicalites. I want you to go and take them. I want you to basically, he said this in the word um, um, leading up to this. He said, I want you to kill everything the Amicalites had, every goat, every donkey, every sheep, every horse, 
Every child, this gets brutal, every infant, every mom, every dad, every male, every female, building gold, silver, pottery, I want you to destroy it all. Say all. All. I want you to destroy it all. Everything that the Amicalites touched, everything they stood for, everything that was in their circle, I want you to kill everything. Destroy it all. Leave nothing unturned, Okay. Is what, is what the Lord, what God himself was telling Saul and Samuel at this time. You need to do this because there is a reward after this, okay? But this has to happen first. So, um, so when God says everything, he really does mean everything, right? Okay. So Saul, what he did, he did actually what the Lord wanted him to do. But the only thing that he didn't do, he did everything except he kept all the exceptional things of the Amicalites. That's what the Bible says. He kept all of the good things that could benefit Israel at that time, okay, that can benefit that. He kept, he threw away the goat with two teeth, okay, and he kept all the ones with nice ones, if you will, okay? Um, um, all those kinds of things. Who could benefit? This? And he kept everything. But that's not what the Lord said. The Lord said, no matter what it is, no matter who it is, no matter what it is, I want you to destroy everything, Okay, but Saul, in all of his awesome wisdom, and as you read more about Saul, you'll find out that he had a lot of it, and I'm using that sarcastically, okay? Um, he kept the exceptional things, and he killed off the things with no value. So let me encourage you with something here this morning. We can equate this to our relationship with God, and we can equate this to him, right? When God says all, he means all. It's like our lives. We don't surrender just a little part to God or just a little bit to God, okay? We must surrender what? All, everything. We have to surrender it all to him because either he's God of everything or he's not God at all. There's no in between. There's no halvesies with Jesus. You take this half, I'll take this half. No, it's everything. I'm not talking about us making mistakes or things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your posture in your heart. I'm talking about the posture in our heart. What is our posture in our heart? Do we say, yes, God, I surrender all? When we sing the song this morning, I surrender, right? Are we just singing it because it's a good song, it's got a good tune, or do we really mean, no, really, God, everything. My money, my car, my opinions, my intentions, my preferences, my thoughts, my political views, my this, my that, you name it. Does he have everything? Because he's not interested in a little bit of that. He's interested in all of it. So here's where we pick up the story. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 through 23. So verse 22 says this, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen. (laughs) I love that. Samuel, the prophet, listen. Obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Then he goes on to say this, verse 23, rebellion as as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. That's some pretty hard up stuff, isn't it? Okay. And it's so interesting 
to me, later on when you read the rest of that story, Saul actually says, yeah, but I did everything God wanted me to. And Samuel again says, no, you didn't do everything. Let me just encourage you here this morning. You can't hide from the Holy Spirit. You can't hide from God. When your vow is yes, let it be yes. If it's no, then let it be no. But don't be in the middle. Why? Because the book of Revelation says, I just want to spew those people out of my mouth. It's not a tasteful sacrifice unto the Lord. You see, Saul lived a life. He was a constant. He lived a life of disobedience throughout his kingship. He would disobey, and then he would repent. Then he would rebel, and then he would try to bring a sacrifice to the Lord to cover that sin. He would show his lack of confidence in God by going to mediums and sorcerers for answers and then know that he did wrong or someone called him out on it, right? And then he would go, okay, I'll fix this real quick. I'll bring a sacrifice to the Lord just to cover that. And that's why Samuel said it's better to obey than to sacrifice. Eventually, listen, eventually, and and take this personal in your heart. Okay, eventually, the sacrifices we bring to the Lord will become meaningless if we don't attach our hearts and allow him to transform and change us. A lot of us want to live like hell during the week and come to Sunday and go, God, forgive me. He will forgive you because he's he's got a lot of grace. But eventually what's going to happen, you're going to deceive yourself into thinking that you're in right standing with the Lord. And then when we die and go to heaven, he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. You workers of iniquity. So I just want to encourage you this morning. And I hope that's encouraging. I know that was kind of hard. Okay. But we ain't got, I almost let my Southern just come out right there. We don't have any more time to be playing around with Christianity. We don't have any more time to be be pretending that we are and we're not. Either we are or we're not, okay? Because the Lord's not coming back for a halfway bride. He's coming back for your pure and spotless bride. And the way that we're pure and spotless is not not by making mistakes, but is by surrendering ourselves to him. To be holy as he is holy, okay? To be holy like he's holy, that's impossible. It's not when salvation is your, is your foundation. Okay? So Saul, what happened was that he had a life of rebellion. And the Bible equates rebellion to witchcraft. Because witchcraft, listen to this, witchcraft is saying, I can do what I want. I am my own person. Essentially what you're saying is, I am God in this part of my life. I am, I am God in my life. I can make my own decisions and I can do what I want no matter what anybody tells me, especially Holy Spirit himself. Let me ask you a couple of questions here. How many of you would agree that the cult is real? Yes? Amen? How many believe that Satanism is real? Yeah? How many of you would say and believe that Satanism is the epitome of witchcraft. Okay? The motto, the foundation, the slogan, the life ethos to Satanism is do what thou wilt. 
That's by the founder of Satanism. His name is Alistair Crawley. Okay? He's the founder of, of the Satanist church. Do what thou wilt. See, Satanism goes far beyond incantations or making soups <laughs> with eyeballs in there. That's what I think of. The Lord goes, ooh, with eyeballs. Hey. Okay? It goes, it goes more than just participation of even occultic things, even though you should not participate in those things. Witchcraft is actually subscribing to the idea that I can do what I want and no one can tell me, not even God, what I can do with my life. We, we actually justify sin and say, no, you can't tell me that I can't do that. Okay? No, you, no, you can't tell no. You can't know what you're doing is, is you're subscribing and coming under the influence of the witchcraft spirit. And most Christians in today's culture are participating in the spirit of witchcraft because we have this idea that I can do what I want, especially when we try to justify sin. And I believe the greatest weapon of the enemy is to deceive Christians into believing they're okay while participating in fleshly acts and calling it their opinion. The Bible says in Timothy that the word of God is active. <laughs> Amen? And he divides between the soul and the spirit and the flesh and the heart. He just divides it all. The word of God does this. So right now in your heart, I can just feel it, right? Right now in your heart, if you're feeling a little bit of, uh, it's because the word of God is trying to pierce your heart into thinking, do I actually subscribe to the idea of the witchcraft spirit? I can do what I want. You can't tell me what to do, God. It's not that bad. Look, I know there's some gray areas in the Bible, okay? We can believe that everything is just black and white, and there are a lot of black and whites. Okay? But there are gray areas in the Bible where we just don't know if it's disobedience. And it's the reason why we have to have a relationship with Jesus because then he begins to speak to us, this is not good for you. Okay? And the Bible says this, if we do the sin that we know is wrong, then we've sinned. Okay? That's found in Romans, I believe, in chapter 12. If we do the sin that we know that we shouldn't do and we still do it, we've sinned. Okay? If we have an inkling in our heart, this might be wrong, and you still do it, guess what? You sinned. You've disobeyed the Lord like Saul. Am I saying we're perfect in this? Absolutely not. That's why we need God's grace, right? That's why we need his love. That's why we need him to come and just show us the way. But let us walk in the way of the Lord. Amen. Let us keep step with the Spirit. The Bible says this, if you claim to live by the Spirit, to keep step with the Spirit, to walk with him, to be with him. There's an old, there's an old hymn that, that goes like this, and he walks with me and he talks with me and I tell Yeah, that. I need the words on the screen for that part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I always used to think, who's Andy? Andy walks with me. What are you talking about? 
If we claim to live by the Spirit, we have to keep step with the Spirit. Let me tell you, the devil is not threatened by our acts of Christianity. Come on, somebody. He's not threatened by our acts of Christianity. He's threatened by our posture of surrender, submission, and obedience to the Lord's voice. So what are these acts of the flesh? And you tell me, you tell me, you, you, you can just sit there and listen to this, or you can read it for yourself, because I'm going to show you in the Bible what they are, and you have to determine in your heart, man, maybe, maybe, maybe I might be living in this, okay? So turning your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. I promise you, we're going to get out of here soon, because I want to see the Vikings beat the Packers no matter what. I, wait, I take that back, because every time I root for somebody, we always lose. So never mind. Go, Pat, go. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. And this is what it says. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. The word sensuality in the uh, Hebrew definition, or I'm sorry, the Greek definition means total irresponsible Total, total irresponsibility or lack of self-control. That's what the word sensuality means. Verse 20, idolatry. Sorcery, another word for sorcery is witchcraft. Enmity, that means to be hostile. Okay, to, to always want to get into arguments all the time. To always think that you're right and everyone else is wrong. Hostile. Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries. Dissensions. Dissensions in the Greek definition is gossip or arguments that lead to disunity. Dissensions. Divisions. Envy. Drunkenness. Orgies. And the things like these. Paul continues to say, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, and the more we entertain these things in our lives, the less effective we will become as believers because we will allow the enemy to come through the windows of our heart and begin to take residence just like Saul did. Just like Saul did. But I'm the king of Israel. By act you are. Okay? By, by, by this outward appearance, you are. But does he have your heart? And it's very evident in the life of Saul that God did not have his heart. Even though he knew he was doing wrong, he would still do wrong. And then he would come back and try to offer a sacrifice unto the Lord, saying, God, this is my sacrifice. I'm so sorry. I repent. And then go and do the same exact thing, living in rebelling and disobedience to the Lord, and then come back and do it again. And then that was his progression of his life. Okay, that was the progression of his life. You see, God is more concerned about our heart than he is the outward appearance of our actions. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the outward appearance of our actions are important, but they are. But unfortunately, in, in Christianity, and the way especially that I grew up, that if you don't act like a Christian, then you're not one. Which unfortunately, that led me to believe that I had to live a life of, 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 of a facade to put forth in front of people to say, oh, look, Jake looks just like a Christian. 
but my heart was not connected to my outward appearance. Matthew puts it like this. Jesus said this. He said, first clean the inside of the cup and platter so that way the outside of the cup and platter can be clean. Okay? So in other words, it's this. If God has this right here, tu corazón, that's a heart in Spanish for everybody. Right, Jeanette? Okay. <laughs> if he has this right here, which, which is the makeup of your life, your soul, your spirit, everything that, that, you, that drives you, if he has this, then he'll have the outward appearance of your life. He'll have that, okay? But if he doesn't have this, what we'll do is we'll tire ourselves out trying to please God with our actions when really all he wants is just you. That's all he wants is just you. Because if he has this, guess what? You'll want to be like him. Okay? If he has this, you'll do the things that Jesus did. If he has this, you will act accordingly, according to the spirit of God. You'll do that naturally. It'll be the overflow of your love and your heart for the Lord. But if he doesn't have this, then we'll start worrying about all the things that we're doing, and then we'll try to be our, on our best behavior when really you're just gonna wear yourself out and God's not gonna be real to you any longer. Amen? Amen. So the bigger picture that I'm trying to lay out for you is this. Religious talk and religious jargon does nothing to the kingdom of darkness. Pastor, I, I listen to Caleb. Isn't that good enough? No. <laughs> no. But, you know, I, I listen to worship all the time. Well, good for you. You should. But that doesn't mean that you have authority in Christ. All right? It doesn't mean that. What, how, you, how you get authority in Christ is when we allow ourselves to discover Christ in us. When we live in a way where his spirit comes and rests upon us. Amen? Amen. Where where our heart and our posture before the Lord is quiet surrender before him. When When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, here's a fun little thing. Jesus was baptized, amen? And then uh, he came out of the water, a voice spoke in heaven, said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And then the dove came and rested upon Jesus. Okay? The dove came and rested upon Jesus. And the Bible says this, that instantly the spirit led Jesus to the wilderness. The next verse is right over. You can read it for yourself. All right? I believe that Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit, not just in water on that day, because the spirit of God rested upon him. Then he went into the wilderness, and there he got his authority because he denied everything the enemy threw at him. So when he came out of the wilderness, he was ready for his ministry. See, the Holy Spirit is in me for my sake, but the Holy Spirit is upon me for yours. And that's how we should position our lives, that the Holy Spirit is in you for your sake, but the Holy Spirit is upon you for the sake of others. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says this. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money is what it says. But if you allow me to say this, if you may allow me to take this verse and just kind of, kind of take money out, okay, even though I, I believe that a lot of us deal with that, right? And sometimes we don't even believe that we're living in this witchcraft, I could do whatever I want to do with thy will when it comes to finances in our life. All that church wants is our money. No, no, okay? See, the tithe is something where it's dedicated to the Lord already, and we should live our lives accordingly to that. I make no mistake, and I make no apologies for saying that every single believer should tithe it to the Lord. If you don't know what a tithe is, it's 10% of our income. Whatever that income is, it doesn't matter what it is. Tithe that. Why? Because you, what you're doing is you're putting yourself in a posture to say, God, you are king, and you are God over all of my life. That's why this verse right here, and then I'll move on, but that's why this verse right here equates it with money because both offer resource. Both offer stability, okay? The only difference is, is that God isn't going to burn and your resources will. So who do you have faith in more? Jesus or your finances? But if you allow me this morning to maybe just take this out and replace it with a few things. No one can serve two masters, the Bible says, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and participate in the acts of the flesh. You cannot serve God and go to the wine place downtown here in Onalaska and participate in tarot card reading night. Can't do it. You can't serve two masters. You cannot serve God and go to a medium or a psychic downtown La Crosse and then say to yourself, it's not that big of a deal. No, it is a big deal. Not only do you open the window of your heart, you actually invite the enemy in through the doorway of your heart. You cannot say, I serve God and live a life of a gossip or cause dissension or have fits of rage or lack self-control or be involved in sexual immorality, etc., etc., etc. Because if there is a sense of I can do what I want and no one can tell me any differently, what we initially said is do what thou wilt. And that, my friends, is the spirit of witchcraft. It's the spirit of And when I say spirit, I'm talking about the influence of witchcraft. Okay? So if that's rolling around in your mind and in your heart in some way, shape, or form, that I can continue to do what I'm doing and no one can tell me any differently, I'd like for you to consider, because this is the kind of stuff I do for myself, I'd like for you to stop, ask the Holy Spirit, and consider, am I agreeing with the influence of witchcraft this morning? 
Not if you're going to a seance or anything like that. I'm talking about your heart's posture before the Lord. Because I fully believe that everything is a heart issue unto the Lord. Everything is a heart issue before the Lord. So let's bow our heads real quick as we close. And I could just hear people might be saying, so pastor, you're saying that I'm supposed to be perfect. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, does he have your heart? Does he have everything? Like Saul on that day, are you keeping some things away from God or have you given it all to him? To allow him to just, see when you come to the altar, the altar represents where things burn and die. Have you given it all to him? Because if you have, if he's got all your heart, all these things will be surrendered to him and he will be the one to lead, to guide, and to direct you. So let me ask you this question. Is there any area of your life where you're saying, I can do what I want and no one can tell me any differently? I wanna encourage you this morning to allow God to investigate that part of your heart. Allow him to right now. We're gonna take 30 seconds and I want you just to ask the Holy Spirit under your breath, say, Holy Spirit, is there any part of my heart that I haven't surrendered to you? Just ask him. And whatever comes to your mind, don't throw it away. Say, that's it. That's it.